One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello, I'm Sarah Pollock, and this is In the News from the Irish Times, where we take a close look at the stories that matter. Today... What does the future hold for Fianna Fáil? Five years ago, it looked like Fianna Fáil was starting to rise from the ashes of political ruin. 724. As the votes of Charlie McConnell exceed the quota, I deem him to be party more than doubled their number of Doyle seats in the 2016 general election, managing to bounce back from the electoral wipeout it had suffered in 2011. An Ireland for all. That's what this party, Fianna Fáil, the Republican Party, stands for. And we will not rest until we have secured that future for our country. Led by Micheál Martin, the party went on to strike a confidence and supply deal with Fine Gael, an agreement that was only set to last for three years. However, Martin surprised many party colleagues by announcing in 2019 that he would extend the deal due to Brexit uncertainty. We simply do not believe that the national interest could in any way be served by taking up to four months during next year to schedule and hold an election campaign and then form a government. The following year, Fianna Fáil went into the 2020 general election expecting to significantly increase its presence in government. This did not happen and the party's election performance was considered a real failure. Well, I think we consider this as the most extraordinary election in the history of the state, to be perfectly blunt about it. And finally, to top it all off, in July of this year, Fianna Foyle was left in disarray after it secured less than 5% of the first preference votes in the Dublin Bay South by-election. The result today for Fianna Foyle was extremely disappointing. I don't have answers for you today to explain why it is that Fianna Foyle's vote declined from 14% in the last general election down to under 5% today. Jennifer Bray is a political reporter with the Irish Times and she's been tracking the ebbs and flows of Fianna Fáil's political successes and failures in recent years. Jen, Fianna Fáil is scheduled to hold a two-day parliamentary think-in event this week in County Cavan where they'll discuss the 2020 general election along with the disastrous results of the by-election. But first of all, what is a think-in and how do you think the two days of discussion will pan out? Yeah, so basically in the normal course of events, you know, like when there isn't a raging pandemic and draconian restrictions <laughs> in, in existence, um, every political party will have a yearly think-in. It's usually around two days long and it's essentially where members and representatives of the party, they kind of come together, they assess the state of play in the party, they do a bit of navel-gazing, um, they talk about policies, the direction of the party, 
all that kind of things. And and often actually, um, they air a few grievances that might be simmering away in the background. And I remember in the 2016 Fine Gael thinking, um, there were party rebels openly challenging the leadership of End Kenny. And I think in much the same vein, we'll see a good bit of that at the Fianna Fáil thinking. Um, so the party has booked Sleeve Russell Hotel in Ballyconnell for two meetings um, and look, a big ticket item on the agenda will be the review of the party's electoral performances. Now, I was talking to one Fianna Fáil TD recently who joked that they'd sooner get their hands on the third secret of Fatima than get access to this document that has, you know, all the details of the review in it, which has been compiled by Sean Fleming. So it's it's being very much kept under wraps ahead of that gathering, but you can expect to see it circulated and expect to see that being the biggest issue, one of the biggest issues, you know, alongside COVID, etc. during the, the gathering. And one of the other reasons for holding this event is to reflect on the party's very poor results in the Dublin Bay South by-election in July. Can you talk us through what happened there? Yeah, absolutely. You know, there was a lot of anxiety within Fianna Fáil about this by-election and there's a number of reasons for that. Like Since the general election, unfortunately, Fianna Fáil has been declining in national opinion polls, uh, both nationally and in Dublin. And regrettably, this vote, I suppose, is consistent with that decline that we have seen. So the first was that that area, Dublin Bay South, has traditionally in the past been considered more of a Fine Gael heartland um, than a Fianna Fáil kind of stomping ground. Um, it's also had a very strong Labour representation down through the years um, and in a, it's a very liberal constituency too. So you have, when you have a candidate like and Ivana Bacic. And I'm also standing on my own track record as somebody who has delivered change, who has introduced legislation. You know, I think they thought like and rightly that she had a very good chance of getting that seat or at least being in with a shout for that seat and that she would have strong competition too from James Gagan who was the Fine Gael candidate. Well, we're not leaving anything to chance. Doesn't matter what the weather is, we're asking you both Gagan number one on Thursday. There was also the fact that Sinn Féin have been flying pretty high in the polls and we obviously saw how well they did in last year's general election. That factored into it too. Then you have kind of the candidates that they, they had, Deirdre Conroy. I'm proud to stand before you this evening as a strong, independent woman. I'm not afraid... And to- in the end, as people know now, Fianna Fáil struggled to connect with voters in the constituency. Now, they were... They were kind of worried that they would get support of around only 10%. But in the end, she received just 5% of the share of first preference votes, which led to obviously calls for yet another review. So you can expect to see that review as well as last year's review of the general election come in into play um, in September. So stepping back for a minute, I mean, how did Fianna Fáil, once the most powerful political party in this country, reach the point of seriously discussing its own survival. I mean, where did this all start to go wrong? I think, you know, if we cast our minds back not too long ago, but a while ago now, I think the financial crash really was a truly seismic event for the party. And the people made their judgment known on how they felt about how Fianna Fáil handled the public finances in the 2011 election, where, where Fianna Fáil suffered, you know, a near wipeout. Now, you know, Fianna Fáil has been a party that has absolutely dominated Irish politics for, you know, 80 years or so. And they, in 2011, came back with around only 20 seats in the 31st all. And they brought the Greens down with them too. You know, it was a a bad day for both politically. 
And um, between 2011 and 2016, I think time kind of stood still a little bit for Fianna Fáil, electorally speaking. You know, Michal Martin was trying to rebuild the party, I think, from from the grassroots upwards. But we had that kind of period where nothing much really happened in terms of different by-elections that happened in other elections during during that time. This kind of changed a little bit in 2016. Things looked up a little bit um, and Fianna Fáil more than doubled its number of doll seats from 20 to 44. That was a really, really big deal for them. And I think that it gave them sort of an impetus to, to think that there was a brighter future ahead and maybe they could claw their way back to the very strong position they had in, in Irish electoral politics previously. But there was another big event, I think, in 2016, later in the year, obviously, as we know now, that would have ramifications and I think will have ramifications for decades to come um, in Fianna Fáil. And that was the agreement to prop up Fine Gael in a confidence and supply deal after that 2016 general election. And, you know, it kind of put them in this weird semi-opposition place where they weren't in government per se, but government couldn't function without their tacit support um, from the outside. And that gave Sinn Féin uh, the chance to start to really position themselves as the main opposition party, you know, an opposition that is in no way tied to Fine Gael and in no way tied to the government. Then we saw issues like the abortion referendum. And, you know, if you look in terms of the party's social values, in terms of being in step like with the public or out of step with the public, this is an important topic because I remember in January 2018, when Michal Martin stood up in the doll. Because the Eighth Amendment has been shown to cause real damage to Irish women. And kind of somewhat unexpectedly actually said that he would vote in favour of repealing the Eighth Amendment and that he was in favour of allowing abortion up till near the end of the first trimester. I believe that we should remove the Eighth Amendment from Bunrock Meherden and I will vote accordingly. And his TDs weren't expecting it. Some of them thought... It was a betrayal. Others thought it was bravery. And I think you'll remember around this time, actually, when this debate was playing out, this photograph emerged, is taken in Marion Square and it showed like more than half of the parliamentary party, you know, holding placards, urging people to, to the public to vote no. This photo has had a life of its own over the last couple of years. It's widely shared in the lead up to the referendum, you know, where obviously there was a landslide vote in favour of repealing the Eighth Amendment. And afterwards, it was used by political rivals to say, basically, like, look how out of touch this party and, and their TDs and their most prominent members are, even notwithstanding Michal Martin's stance. And I have talked to people in the last couple of years in the party who have said that the photo, they brought this photo up so many times and said that it's it's meant that they've struggled to both attract new, younger talent, but also female talent to the ranks too. But Fianna Fáil are currently in government in the three-party coalition and they also control the ministries of health, housing and public expenditure, which are arguably the most difficult and most disputed ministries in government. Why would they take them on? Yeah, there is a lot. Uh, there are a lot of TDs in Fianna Fáil who ask themselves this question and who <laughs> wonder the exact same thing. And among those TDs, there are kind of two schools of thought. The first is that Michal Martin was so keen to take on the big issues, the big ticket issues in order to leave the biggest mark to benefit the country and, of course, the party. And that's why these portfolios were chosen in the spirit of, you know, grabbing the bull by the horns. 
The second theory is that Fine Gael outwitted Fianna Fáil by allowing them to feel that they had to take on these big portfolios, given all the, the big talk during the election and all that. These portfolios that will be the hardest, the riskiest, and also the areas in which the task is the most difficult and, and sometimes perhaps even impossible. Um, but the, I think the truth is always bartering over ministries. And Fine Gael will probably argue that if you look at a, a ministry like Enterprise and Jobs and all that, that's clearly very important now in the context of rebuilding the economy after COVID-19. You know, it's they're not insignificant departments. But I think the truth between those two schools somewhere there in the middle, that there was a little bit of manoeuvring on both sides and that Michal Martin was certainly of the mind, well, you know, I'm not afraid to take on these challenges and prove that Fianna Fáil can deliver for the people. But now, obviously, they have to deliver. And the party is suffering financially as well, right? Donations are dropping. Yeah, this is something I've been trying to get into a little bit over the last while. Um, it's a difficult one because, you know, the, it, it's not a very transparent area in terms of it's not something that all the TDs go around kind of talking about. And actually, it's not something that most of the TDs in the party would know a whole lot about, you know, unless you're a treasurer, etc. Um, I think it will be an important item on the agenda to think in. I mean, if you think about it. Things like church box collections, yearly national draw uh, gatherings, fundraisers, all those kind of things that political parties would normally hold all went out the window because of COVID-19. And I'd say all of the parties actually have felt it to a certain degree, but it has been remarked to me on a couple of occasions by people in Fianna Fáil that this is something um, that is worrying them um, and that they're going to have to try and address in some way. And perhaps that means doing all the things that they weren't able to do during the COVID-19 pandemic. Coming up, what does Fianna Fáil stand for and who does it represent in Irish society? Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Fintan O'Toole is an opinion writer for the Irish Times. Fintan, you wrote in July after Fianna Fáil's disastrous by-election result that the party had lived two long lives, but that there would not be a third act. What makes you so certain that the Fianna Fáil party is well and truly on the way out? I think there are two basic reasons. Um, One is that for a long time, Fianna Fáil was in power because it was in power. (laughs) It, 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 It was seen by most Irish people very reasonably as, in a way, the natural party of government and therefore the one that had its hands on all the strings of Irish life. And that itself is a fantastic way of keeping yourself going, right? So so if people, if people think you control things, you know, then 
they sort of accept that reality, you know. And the political philosopher Thomas Hobbes said, power is the perception of power. <laughs> and that was, Fianna Fáil was a kind of classic example of that. But of course, the problem is that when that turns, it turns the other way, right? So when, when, when you crash and burn, you lose all the things you gained, right? So, so it, and you lose it very, very quickly. So, so, so long as people no longer think you are the controlling power in the land, um, then you're just you're just not the natural party of governments anymore. You know, you 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 just nobody has to be in Fianna Fáil or supporting Fianna Fáil or sucking up to Fianna Fáil in order to get favours or in order to make Irish life work in the way that it used to work. So so that's one of the big issues. And and of course the other big issue is just social change. You know that that Fianna Fáil was able remarkably really to hold itself together through a lot of the process of Ireland becoming a more modern state and a more urbanised state. But it did it through its extraordinary close alliance with the Catholic Church. You know, It's easy to forget that really, I mean, right up to Bertie Ahern, the Church and Fianna Fáil were, 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 were completely intertwined. You know, if you look at what, say, Bertie Ahern, Albert Reynolds, Charlie Hawhey did with social legislation, you know, with contraception, abortion. You know, they, they took the most right-wing possible positions on all of those things so as to ensure that they were the sort of secular equivalent of the church. And again, that was that's a great asset until it's not. You know, then suddenly when the church loses power, that, that has a huge knock-on effect for Fianna Fáil. And it's part of that broader sense of, of Fianna Fáil struggling to cope with all of this social change. What about its ideology? I mean, what do you think the party stands for now? Fianna Fáil members in the past have claimed that they represented the views and wishes of both small farmers, but also urban working class. But the party seems now to kind of have lost its identity. Yes. You know, it was very good at sort of having an ideology that wasn't an ideology, you know, being able to... Um, you know, to be the, the great catch-all party, to say that it stood for the poor and the rich, it stood for the the working class and the boss. You know, <laughs> it stood for the farmer and 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 urban Ireland, and it could do that because there were two big forces of consensus in Irish society. So the ideology of Ireland was this particular fusion of Catholicism and nationalism that was very very powerful, and so Fianna Fáil could sort of both draw on that and feed back into it and sustain it. But that's gone. You know, that sort of fusion of Catholicism and nationalism just doesn't work anymore. And Fianna Fáil has not been able to, you know, to to decide, therefore, what what is it? What does it mean? What's what's its specific nature? It it was interesting when I wrote that piece in the Irish Times, you know, Michal Martin replied to it. And his reply could have been written in the 1960s or 1970s or 1980s. You know, which is, we stand for everybody. We're on everybody's side. You know, we're the we're the national movement. You know, and it's, it just doesn't work like that anymore. You know, there has to be a sense of whose side are you on. I mean, there are there are huge, huge questions facing facing Ireland. We're going to see it with the, with housing policy, for example. You know, you cannot be both on the side of you know the people who are who are making fortunes um, out of the housing crisis and on the side of the people who need houses you know <laughs> it, it, it just isn't possible to do that i think Fianna Fáil's instinct from the top Michael Martin's instinct is probably to try to push Fianna Fáil into a kind of social democratic um, space um but but its credibility in that space i think is is very much at issue because of its history and, and particularly its recent history 
And speaking of Micheál Martin, there are ongoing discussions about him being replaced. Would a new leader give the party a fresh start? Or has it moved beyond that at this point? I think it's magical thinking, isn't it? You know, I mean, magical thinking being the idea that if you if you sort of perform some kind of ritual, you know, <laughs> that the world is going to change. And the ritual replacement of, of Micheál Martin by any other possible leader, you know, would just be sort of doing something and, and hoping somehow that it, it changes the world outside. I'm not saying Micheál Martin is, is the most thrilling and charismatic and exciting person, but, you know, he has experience, he has some kind of gravity. I think most people think, even if they fundamentally disagree with him, that he's a decent person. It's very hard to see that there's an alternative figure in, in Fianna Fáil who would have those qualities, but would be able somehow to add something magical that is, that's going to change. You know, people talk about Jim O'Callaghan, for example. I mean, Jim O'Callaghan won't even work full time in the Dáil. You know, <laughs> like he's still working as a as a as a senior counsel. You know, I mean, how how much commitment does that show? You know, to having the hunger to to want to become leader of Fall and take it on and be Taoiseach and all all the rest of it. You know, just at that simple level, there really doesn't seem to be an alternative person. And it's not saying that, you know, that there might, there obviously there will come a time when Fianna Fáil will, will need to have a different kind of leader. Um, but they'd have to be a different kind of party first. I think they, they really need to figure out what their identity is and where they want to go, what niche they want to occupy. Because I think it is a niche. I, I just don't think we're going to get back to the point where Fianna Fáil is going to be getting 35, 40, 45% of the votes. It's, it's just very, very difficult to see that. Thanks very much, Fintan. And Jen, what have you heard from members of the party since the by-election in July? Is there still faith that the party can rebuild and grow from that result? Um, I think the party faithful are called the party faithful for <laughs> a reason. You know, there are diehard supporters out there all over the country at grassroots level who we don't always hear from in the media and who do believe that there is capacity to grow within Fianna Fáil. And the truth is you never write off a party like Fianna Fáil, even at this stage when they seem to be at, you know, not their lowest ebb, but they have been at a low ebb in terms of the polls. But I do think the party, the spirits within the party have been bolstered a little bit, maybe a little bit revived by the really impressive rollout of the vaccination campaign. And the fact that we're in this position to to reopen society and hopefully one of the last reopening plans. We are very unlikely to ever be able to say to be rid of this virus completely. Indeed, we expect to see an increase in case numbers over the coming weeks. But the combined strategy of careful reopening and energetic vaccination has brought us to a point where we can begin to do things differently. But housing is just such a massive, massive issue and it will continue to be. And this is the area in which they really, really, really have to deliver. And I think that they know that their traditional support previously amongst voters in Dublin has completely collapsed. And, you know, this, these are the areas in which people well, people are struggling to buy anywhere now. Like, let's be honest, that the price of houses across the country. So they'll have to figure out a way to address that in a very short space of time, a very short amount of time. There's not that many years left in this administration. Time is kind of flying, actually. So who does Fianna Fáil represent in this day and age? I mean, you've just said that its support in many urban areas, Dublin specifically, has collapsed and it has lost voters to Sinn Féin. So who is going out in the polls and, and supporting them? 
it's a good question and it's at the fore of the minds of those who are, you know, in, in party HQ when they're formulating their plans and, and their strategies, whether it be in election time or, or other times. The big fear in the party is that they're becoming irrelevant to everybody. The big fear is that they're becoming relevant to not only their traditional supporters, more relevant to people who wouldn't have voted for them previously. And I mentioned housing, you know, it's very hard to understate how much the housing crisis impacts across all of society. I mean, everybody knows somebody who is impacted if it's not themselves. Taoiseach, you have not reined in these investment funds, these vultures, these these cuckoos, far from it. Your government facilitates their actions. And I think Sinn Féin are hoovering up votes amongst younger voters. And if you look at the Irish Times exit poll from last year, you can see for Fianna Fáil, their support is lowest in the age groups between 18 uh, people in their 20s up to 34. They have their highest support in that exit poll amongst voters over 65. I think they had like nearly 30% in that age group. So you'd have to think that they do have a core there. And maybe that's why over the last couple of years, we've seen them in those years of confidence and supply, Willie O'D and other people like that out saying the pensioners needed an increase and in budget time. And it was this kind of yearly chestnut that we mm. that we always heard of. That would tell you something about where their support is, but they are really struggling in Dublin, which I mentioned before. The party had traditionally support from, you know, small farmers, the urban working class. Um, but that latter group certainly appears to have moved to other parties like Sinn Féin. Do you think it makes sense for the party to just abandon its attempts to remain in the centre where it appeals perhaps to more urban working class and embrace the more conservative Catholic vote, which does still exist in Ireland, albeit in a much smaller way than before. Yeah, absolutely. Of course it does. And, you know, I think there are people within Fianna Fáil who, who might agree with that and who might feel that way. But when you think about Fianna Fáil, like even we're talking about abortion and other social issues, it kind of has always been a little bit of a broad church. And from what I can tell, there is no particular desire to steer the party down a one-way track that is more affiliated with a Catholic conservative vision. In fact, there is a really strong pull within the party to sort of drag it more into line with what the public want, whether that be social issues or taxation or, you know, agriculture or the EU or Northern Ireland or whatever. Um, and that's that's kind of where they're, they're trying to figure out their identity at the moment. There, I think there is a little bit of an identity crisis going on. But I, I can't see them going forward towards a position actually where they're more traditionally want to be aligned with Catholic Church and more conservative uh, ideals. So in your opinion, what steps do you think Fianna Fáil need to take to survive this period and to build back up? I mean, what should they be focusing on at this week's thinking in order to move forward as a political party? No, and that, that, that's the million dollar question. What do they need to do? I'm sure they'll be listening to my advice very closely. No, no. Um, you know, like I said earlier on, you don't write off a party like Fianna Fáil. They have a massive infrastructure, like even look at the number of councillors that they have, you know, and that's a huge asset for them uh, in terms of thinking about the future talent of the party. I think, you know, what everyone, not not everyone, but really a lot of people in the party are asking now is, is Michal Martin the right person to lead the party? Does he energize voters or had he had, you know, has he had his chance? Is it time to let somebody else um, to, up through the ranks to, to give it their own shot? And then the question is, well, well, who else is there? You know, who else can go in? Is there somebody there who can grab the party by the scruff of the neck and say, this is where we're going. This is what we're about. And, you know, revolutionize their, their sitting in the polls and all that. 
I mentioned kind of the infrastructure that they have, the councillors, local government representation, that that is a big deal, I think. And the question is, does that translate into new talent that comes up through the ranks? Like, will we see over the next couple of years a Bertie Hearn type figure? When I say that, I mean somebody who's capable of galvanising the troops and of re-energising people. Because, you know, to a certain degree, that's what Bertie Hearn did. Will we see that in the next couple of years? Who knows? Is there that person out there? Who knows? Overall, I think the best thing that any political party can do is to deliver what they said they would deliver when they were elected and to competently manage any crisis, whatever it may be. So if it's COVID, if it's housing, the first of which protect the health of the public, the second of which build the houses. I don't think Fianna Fáil are going to win back all their votes with catchy slogans or, you know, big promises. I think they need to deliver what they said they were, but what is needed at the same time, bring up new talent to the ranks reconnect with the voter because there's clearly you know an issue there and tell them exactly what they stand for what does Fianna Fáil stand for you know get through that identity crisis and then it's up to the voter to decide Thanks so much for your time Jen That's all for today you can read more from Jennifer Bray and Fintan O'Toole about the political future of Fianna Fáil on irishtimes.com In the News will be back on Wednesday Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.